All right, this morning uh, we're going to deal with the subject of speech. Last time we were in Proverbs, we were looking at the subject of anger, and we actually spent a couple uh, weeks uh, looking at God's wisdom for us on dealing with our anger. And, you know, anger, at the end of the day, it is, it is an emotion in and of itself. It is not good or evil, but it also it has a lot of potential for evil, and controlling it is of the utmost importance, and it's very similar with the tongue, with our speech. In Paul's letter to the Christians in Rome, we're told that through saving faith in Jesus Christ, we have not only received God's full pardon for our sins, but we have also been set free from the enslaving power of sin so that we might walk in newness of life. We are no longer, if we are in Christ, if you are in Christ, we're no longer spiritually dead enemies of God living in bondage to sin. But through faith in Jesus Christ, we've been reconciled to God and we have been spiritually made alive so that we would be purified as a people for Christ's own possession who are zealous for good works and who glorify God with our lives. That's the purpose for which he saved us. In Romans, Paul writes this in Romans 6, So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Now there's one member of our body that stands above the rest as having the greatest influence on the course and quality of our lives as well as on the lives of others. And that is the tongue, our instrument of speech. Though it's small and soft and tucked away out of sight, it wields tremendous power with the words that it can produce. It's capable of doing both the greatest amount of good and the greatest amount of evil. And because of this, it's of the utmost importance that we learn to control our tongue and present it to God as an instrument for righteousness. So this morning, as I said, we're going to consider some of the wisdom God has for us in the book of Proverbs concerning the tongue, concerning our speech. Though our tongue is a small part of us, its activity is no small matter. So Solomon tells us in Proverbs 18.21, and we will be hopping around a bit, uh, so, which is why it's handy to have these on the screens, but this will be good, good uh, sword drills, flipping through your Bible. Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Now to say that death and life are in the power of the tongue shows us what the tongue is capable of, does it not? It can accomplish good or evil. The words that we allow to come out of our mouth can be either medicine or poison. They can comfort or break a person's heart. They can lift or crush a person's 
spirit. They can strengthen or sever relationships. They can enlighten or corrupt the minds of people for generations. They can persuade nations to make peace or to wage war. They can lead people to salvation and everlasting life through faith in Jesus Christ. Or they can lead people away from Christ towards everlasting death and destruction and hell. Words have power. Your speech has power. On many different levels, the tongue has the ability to administer life or death. We have the potential to do so much good and we have the potential to do so much evil with our tongue. Which is why Solomon warns that those who love the tongue's power, guess what? They will eat its fruit. In other words, you'll reap what you sow with your words. Though we are free to speak whatever we want, however we want, and whenever we want, we are not free from experiencing the consequences of what we say. So whatever kind of fruit your mouth produces... Whether it's good or bad, you will eat it. And this warning should cause us to carefully consider how we use our tongue. It should cause us to pause and think how we're using it. And we need to be wise if we're going to wield such a powerful instrument that is capable of doing both good and evil and administering life and death. In Proverbs 13.3, Solomon says this, Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. We need to guard our mouths. We need to watch over them. It's foolish to give your tongue free reign. You know, it's just as foolish to, you know, for example, give toddlers free reign in your house. I have three little ones. When mommy and daddy are in the other room and they're just out there doing God knows what. <laughs> Sometimes we come out of the room, we're like, it's been quiet, and come out. And, and they're playing together, they're being sweet or playing a game, whatever. And sometimes we come out and, you know, there's writings on the wall or maybe some broken stuff. Or maybe the pantry's open and they've helped themselves to so many things. Obviously, that's a lighter matter, but you see, it's, it's foolish to just let these, you know, uncontrollable sometimes little creatures run around without supervision. Well, same with our tongue. It's foolish to let it have free reign. Knowing that the, the words of our tongues produce, or what they produce, come from the depths of our very own and very sinful hearts. That should prompt us to have some rigorous moral security checkpoint near the gateway of our mouths, don't you think? I mean, there's, there's some sin down here, right? And Jesus said, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. There's got to be some kind of checkpoint. We can't just give it free reign. Something ugly is going to come out at some point. We should be uh, slowing down that verbal traffic and we should be carefully screening for any speech that would be dishonoring, displeasing to God. So let's start with the most basic principle of wisdom concerning speech. This is, this is really profound. So let's just take a moment to digest it. Here it is. Talk less. Talk less. 
The Apostle James says that a sinner's tongue cannot be fully tamed, and that it's a restless evil full of deadly poison, James 3. In other words, it it is wildly unpredictable and it is dangerous. So making a habit of running your mouth and just blurting out whatever comes to your mind in the moment, unchecked, unfiltered, that won't end well. Solomon says that a a babbling fool will come to ruin. In Proverbs 10.19, Solomon writes this, When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. In other words, the, the more you talk, the more likely you are to sin with your mouth the more likely you are to say something foolish and hurtful. The more you talk, the more likely you are to say something that you regret, something you wish you could take back. Have you ever done that? The more likely, if you keep talking and talking, the more likely you are to say something that brings you painful consequences, something that causes serious damage, maybe even irreparable damage. Therefore, it's wise to let your words be as few as possible. Now, this isn't a call for vow silence. You know, we're not monks. That's really not going to make you wise by just taking a vow of silence. I mean, it doesn't mean you can't socialize. doesn't mean you, you can't have fruitful conversations. The discipline of restraint means not speak, speaking simply when you can, But when you have something good and beneficial to say, that's all. Just because I can talk shouldn't mean, or doesn't mean I should just be running my mouth all the time. So we talk less. And this requires that we actually think before we speak. If we're actually going to determine if I have something good and beneficial to say, well, it takes some thought, doesn't it? I actually have to think what I'm about to say instead of blurting it out. Uh Oh, oh, that was foolish. So we talk less, and the other Second basic principle of wisdom is this. Again, I know these are, these are pretty deep and stuff, but um, so here we go. The second one is this. Think more. Think more. Talk less. Think more. Proverbs 15, 28. Solomon writes, The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. We need to think before we speak. If we are to speak in a way that honors God and gives grace to those who hear. So you need to ask yourself, hang on, before it comes out, uh, is it true? Is it necessary? Is it beneficial? Is it kind and considerate? We should carefully consider not just what we are going to say, but also how and when we're going to say it. Will your tone convey sarcasm or frustration or rudeness? Or will it convey love and respect? Again, the content might be good, but the delivery, delivery can be really poor. And your tone makes all the difference. Solomon says in Proverbs 15.1, and we, we saw this last time we were talking about anger, but it, it, it addressed this issue. 
15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. And again, that could apply to content, but also definitely tone as well. So how you say something has an effect on people. If you are going to tell them something good and beneficial, but you say it harshly, that's just going to anger them. When you speak is also important. Again, we're thinking before we speak, not just about what we say or how we say it, but also when. Because saying the right things at the wrong time can render them useless, or it can cause them to have the opposite effect of what we intended. Proverbs 27, 14, Solomon writes, Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing. Wouldn't you agree? You ever had somebody greet you with a very loud voice, either waking you up or after, right after you got up? We try to teach the girls that. We bring Chloe out, our little baby, and like, Chloe! And she's like, Mommy's like, she, she just woke up. Come on, come on. She's counting it as cursing. It's not having the effect that you wanted. <laughs> we give them grace. Sometimes our kids come into bed and they just sit up and say, I want milk. They're like, all right, dear, I love you. Be kind and considerate. If we truly want to bless someone, and we look at this proverb, if we truly want to bless someone, we can't neglect being considerate, right? So again, you can say something that it, content is good. You can, you can say it with a pleasant tone, uh, but your timing can be way off. And in all of these things, what we're seeing is it's important to give careful thought to our speech in so many ways. William Penn, the founder of the province of Pennsylvania, which later became the state of Pennsylvania, has a lot of really excellent quotes. And, and this one, uh, he, he relayed the principle of thinking before you speak in a proverb of his own. Here's what he said. Old English, you got to love it. If thou thinkest twice before thou speakest once, thou wilt speak twice the better for it. You think twice before you speak once, you will speak twice the better for it. Solomon warns of the danger of neglecting this wisdom, thinking, giving careful thought to what you're going to say before you say it. In Proverbs 29.20, he says, Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. So basically, there's like no hope. Hasting his words, doesn't think before he speaks, and just rambles on, babbles and babbles and babbles. More hope for a fool than for him. By the way, all these uh, principles that we're considering this morning relate not just to our, our spoken words, but to our written words as well. You know, we can, we can just as easily apply them to our paper mail Email, texting, online posts, what have you, any kind of writing you do, that's written speech. And writing, it, it does have the benefit of slowing us down. I mean, we can't write as fast as we can talk, right? So it does slow us down. It does allow us to more clearly express our thoughts. But even then, we can, we can make the mistake of being too hasty and sin through our written words. And, and guess what? When those are written down, they're on something physical. They're here to be reread and reread and reread. 
So there's perhaps even a greater danger. So we have to be extra cautious. Have you ever had the experience of typing out a, a very long email in which you're attempting to set the record straight about something? You're trying to be very articulate and, and uh, thorough, but maybe you're still a little frustrated about the person you're replying to. So when you, when you finally finished, you, did you immediately click send? Or did you read it over several times first? Perhaps you ended up making a number of revisions, deleting portions, or just deleting it all together. Like, ah, okay, glad I didn't send that. That was a bad idea. Delete. And I just wasted an hour of my time. <laughs> it was contained, wasn't it? But sometimes we're foolish, and we, we don't take that time to carefully consider what we've written, and we click send, and, <gasps> and we go frantically looking for the mail recall feature. How does it work? Does it work? And it's too late. So wisdom applies to our written words, but I would say also, you know, when we think about how careful, some, we are a little extra careful when we write, are we not? Are you? I just wrote a Mother's Day card. I take forever forever. Because, I mean, a card, I mean, you bought that card. So, you know, you mess up with that pen. I mean, so that alone. But also the words, just trying to find the, the right words, mom. You know, and the card already said something which kind of throws you off because it's saying, you're like, happy Mother's Day. Well, the card says happy Mother's Day. Can't write that. <laughs> Takes me forever. But, again, I think this is, honestly, it's good, though. It's good to take our time. And sometimes we take a long, longer time writing and everything. We should do that same process in our head with our mouths. It would be good if we slowed down, went through the whole writing process in our head, made some revisions. If I say it in this way, you might take it this way, okay. Then the person's just staring at you. <laughs> and you just tell them, I'm, I'm applying God's wisdom just a second here. But here, here's, here's the wisdom. Slow Thoughtful, cautious, considerate. Those are the qualities. That's how our communication should be at all times. Slow, thoughtful, cautious, considerate. And honestly, in our, our high-speed, fast-paced, technologically advanced society where interpersonal communication abounds on an incomprehensible level, we so desperately need to be applying this wisdom. We should talk less, think more, and thirdly, one more big one, listen carefully. Listen carefully. Proverbs 18, 13, Solomon writes, if, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. If someone's trying to tell you something, listen. And, and actually listen. Actually listen. Don't interrupt. Let the person finish before you respond. Don't presume to know what he or she is thinking. Do you find yourselves doing that? Yeah, yeah I, know, I know what you're saying. I, well, you, you know, uh, don't presume to know what you're, someone's thinking. Don't automatically assume that you're right or that you're in the right. Just listen. One author wrote this. It's amazing how little we listen and how much we overreact to those who disagree with us. We immediately jump to justifying our position, defending our ego, and winning the argument, even while the other person is talking. We are not listening. 
but are thinking about how we will answer how foolish. Proverbs 18.2, Solomon writes, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. So he will interrupt. He will run his mouth. Or if he doesn't and he's letting you talk, he's not really listening to you. He's like, are you finished? Are you finished? Okay, anyway. He just wants to express his opinion. He loves to hear himself talk. He loves the sound of his voice. So if you're actually listening, then here's what your goal is going to be. Your goal will be to not only hear, but to also understand. To understand the other person thoroughly. I mean, that's the goal of listening. This will often require you to ask follow-up questions. That's a very wise thing to do. After someone is communicating something to you, you can ask some follow-up questions. You want to make sure you understand them. Because again, how many... How many problems arise out of simple misunderstandings, miscommunication, right? It's because we're not slowing down and exercising wisdom. So, asking follow-up questions is good to have a better understanding of the person since, again, I mean, you don't have the divine ability to see straight through people into their hearts, right? I mean, Jesus did. You don't. So, guess what you got to do? Find out what's going on. Ask questions. Proverbs 25 20, verse 5. The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. And questions are a way you can do that. Patience, asking questions so they can continue to express so you can get a better idea of what they're saying. This is good uh, practice, for, especially for you who are married. Want to have a little sit-down time and communicate with your spouse? Try that out. Say, honey, I just want to hear, what do you think? I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to sit. I want to listen to you. And then after they're done, and maybe ask some questions before you respond. That would be good. You'll actually have maybe a really deep conversation more than normal. So if we're to guard our mouth, and preserve our life, as one of the Proverbs said that we looked at. And we must talk less, think more, listen carefully. We must listen and think before we speak, right? But we also must listen and think more than we speak. That essentially sums it up. Listen and think before you speak. Listen and think more than you speak. And we also must exercise quality control. In Proverbs 4.24, Solomon said, Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Put away crooked speech. Put away devious talk. Any ungodly speech. This includes all forms of lying, which is knowingly making false statements, saying what, it, what is untrue, distorting the facts, in order to deceive others, to manipulate others, to hurt others, all for one's own self-serving purposes. It's crooked, it's devious, put it away from you. Proverbs 12.22, Solomon writes, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are His delights. And faithfully there, it, it can be translated as trustworthy. 
Those who act trustworthy are His delight. God hates lying lips. He's the God of truth. His word is truth. So lying is an offense to His holy character. It's evil. And lest we forget, it it was because of a lie that Adam and Eve plunged the human race into sin and brought its curse upon the entire world. And that lie came from the mouth of Satan, whom the Lord Jesus said is a liar and the father of lies. So whenever you lie, whether it's big and fat or small and seemingly insignificant, whenever you lie, you're doing the devil's work. You're contributing to his schemes. Lying's destructive. And it can be an awful weapon in the hands of a, a person with evil intent. And even one who doesn't have evil intent, a lie can still be very damaging, distorts the truth. It is, after all, Satan's weapon of choice. Proverbs 25, 18, Solomon writes, A man who bears false witness against his neighbor is like a war club or a sword, or a sharp arrow. You know, lying about someone, lying about someone, bearing false witness against that person, slandering that person, that can smash and cut down and fatally wound that person's spirit, that person's reputation, relationships, and career. It's deadly. However, don't be deceived. Whatever advantage lying may seem to give you, and honestly, why do people lie? Because it seems to give them an edge. It seems to work to their advantage. They can kind of skirt the system, get their way, maybe manipulate things that they don't like how they're going. Whatever advantage it might seem to give you, it won't last. Solomon warns. There are three in a row we'll look at. 12.19, truthful lips endure forever. But a lying tongue is but for a moment. Proverbs 19.5, A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who breathes out lies will not escape. And Proverbs 19.9, A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who breathes out lies will perish. So we're all under the watchful eye and the just hand of God. It's possible for us to deceive others, but we can't deceive Him. We don't deceive Him. He even knows our hearts at every moment. Therefore, we must guard our mouths from lying and let our words be true. We must also guard our mouths from gossiping. Gossiping. There's a lot of warnings about gossiping in the book of Proverbs. This is another form of crooked speech and devious talk. Gossip is is basically, it's the revealing of privileged information about someone without that person's knowledge or approval to people who have no business knowing about it. This information sharing often includes embarrassing and shameful details about the person so that that person who's being spoken of is cast in a negative light. That's gossip. No matter what the subject, no matter what the issue, that is what gossip is. There's no love in gossip. There's only self-interest. 
It doesn't aim to help those who are being talked about. All it does is air out people's dirty laundry. What's worse is that once you gossip, once you reveal this negative information about someone, even if what you say is completely true, even if you blurt it out as a prayer request, it can spread like cancer and take on a life of its own and and become full of misinformation, half-truths, exaggerations, distorted facts, and outright lies. It is divisive and destructive. So, talking about someone without their knowledge or approval and something that honestly does cast them in a negative light, that's gossip. Don't excuse it. Don't say, well, I just this person needs prayer. I need counseling about dealing with a person and the situation they're going through. Be careful. So gossip is divisive and destructive. It's deadly and spread like cancer. And yet as deadly as gossip is, Solomon warns us that it is very enticing. It's very enticing. He makes the following statement twice verbatim. Proverbs 18.8, it's also 26.22. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Delicious morsels. You know, it's likely that our our sinful pride uh, is what makes gossip seem so tasty and almost irresistible. I mean, there is that, that sinful satisfaction, if we're honest, that we get when we hear about someone else's sin, someone else's faults and blunders and mistakes and problems. Gossip takes the spotlight off our, our own moral failings, and it puts it on others and allows us to pretend uh, that we're doing far better on our spiritual walk than they are. It's easy to compare yourself to other people, isn't it? You can always find somebody worse. Oh, I feel good. At least I'm not Hitler. Come on. The reality, however, is that those who are being gossiped about are sinners in need of God's grace, and so are we. So whatever the scoop is on someone, however juicy the details might be, resist the temptation to listen. It's funny. I mean, gossip's a business in our country tabloids, and, and especially the old celebrity gossip stuff, but you just go on there like, got the juicy details, the latest scoop. Mmm. Open your mouth. It's going to be tasty. Be careful. Solomon tells us that eating up gossip makes us just as culpable as the one dishing it out. Proverbs 17.4, he says, an evildoer listens to wicked lips. Not just has them, but an evildoer is listening to them. And a liar gives ear to a mischievous tongue. So listening to it is just as bad. By the way, gossip, it's important to know that gossip, it needs listeners. It needs listeners in order to stay alive and to grow. So if you refuse to hear it, to listen to it, you stop it dead in its tracks. When people come to you with gossip, did you hear? Mm, Do you know what's going on with that person? Uh, You can call them out on it. It's like, 
are you gossiping? You can expose it. And how, I mean, there are other ways to do that. Or, you know, again, say, not really comfortable. Yeah, maybe we could wait till they're here and they could let us know. You know, there are ways around that. Call them out, expose it. Uh, you can change the subject. Like, did you hear about so-and-so? It's like, dude, I love that we're getting a little rain. You know, <laughs> last couple of days has been awesome. Hmm? Yeah, I've been having a great week. Let me tell you about my week because it's me telling you. Or you can, uh, you can walk away. You can just leave, right? And again, I mean, think about it. Uh, workplace gossip and all that. The, the, you know, classic example, around the water cooler, right? Hey, hey, did you hear once? And you know, it's like, okay, get my water later. Go use the bathroom sink, I guess. Just walk away. Or, you know, again, just do that when they, you know, start talking. <laughs> I think they'll get the hint. So again, you can, you can stop it. You can actually help put that fire out. That's godliness. Proverbs 11.13 says this, Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps the thing covered. The one who's trustworthy can keep a thing covered. A wise and godly person will not disclose private matters, again, without the person's knowledge and approval. If someone confides in you and shares with you a problem that he or she is having, then out of love, you should pray for that person, and if you're able, you should help that person. You, because you're the one who was confided in. Unless it's some sort of emergency, and you can think of maybe a, a few cases where it's necessary, you need to keep the matter to yourself or ask for permission to share it. I mean, if it's that important, you think that's the way... Ask for permission to share that information. And if you can't guarantee a certain level of confidentiality, then let that person know up front. So you, you don't have to accept it and just say, hey, you know, I'm, I, I wouldn't be able to hold that information. I'm, I'm, I'm actually obligated to share this information with a few people. Uh, okay, the example being like, uh, so the elders of Summit Bible Church, sometimes there are heavy matters, weighty matters that are very difficult. Shepherding issues, right? Um, and they need to counsel with one another. So it's hard to, when you go to one, just say, don't tell anyone, not even the other elders. Well, they would say, I, I can't, I would have to at least inform them. There are cases where that's necessary, and it's actually for your, your benefit. So that's gossip. Another category of words that we are to put far away from us are cruel words. Cruel words. These are words that are intended to cause pain to others. They are mean-spirited and abusive words. They are words that curse and insult and demean others. Proverbs 12:18, the first half, says there is one who is rash or there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. So much for the saying, sticks and stones may break me bones, but words will never hurt me. Right? What does the Word of God say? There's one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. Cruel words can cut deep. Cruel words can leave lasting wounds. Have you felt some of those? 
Have you been injured, so to speak? Have you done some damage with your words? Words are powerful. Sometimes can leave wounds that would far outlast the wound of a stick or stone. Not that you should take that either. Now, the second half of 12.18, and before we read that, just understanding that there, there are many categories of words and subcategories and all that, but these general ones, lying, and there's so many that fall under that because that can be flattery or that can be slander, uh, any kind of deception, gossip, and then cruel words. I mean, a lot of those will fall under there. And so, as you read through the book of Proverbs on your own, I encourage you just to just take note. There are so many situations that this book speaks to. Now we'll turn, turn the corner and look at this second half of 1218, which turns our attention to the type of quality words that should come out of our guarded mouths. Remember the, the instruction that we need to guard our mouths. But we're not just to guard them from keeping garbage from coming out. We're to guard them so that we can ensure that only good comes out of them. That second half of 1218 says, The tongue of the wise brings healing. There are words that can cut like sword thrusts, but yet the tongue of the wise, your words would bring healing. Our words should heal and restore. They should not wound and destroy. And again, uh, some of this seems pretty plain and obvious. We're like, of course, I mean, that'd be cruel. But again, how many times do we actually think before we say something and we wound someone, someone we even love and care about? According to Proverbs 10.11, unlike the mouth of the wicked, which conceals violence, our mouth should be a fountain of life. A fountain of life. Our words should always, as Paul wrote in Colossians, be gracious. Gracious. Solomon wrote in Proverbs 16.24, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. They're pleasant to the soul, and thus they're even beneficial to the body. Again, that's why words are so powerful, because what affects your mind can even have physical effects on you. It would do us good to, to use the following exhortation from Paul in and, and the book of Ephesians as a, a standard rule for quality control on our mouth. This is just one verse, but it really sums it up on verbal quality control. He says in Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. No corrupting talk, only that is something that is good for building up, fits the occasion, may give grace to those who hear. Again, we think before we speak. We should think that. That'll give us a good, good parameters to determine whether what we want to say should come out of our mouths. And one final thing I want to share with you. We're pretty much done for this morning. Proverbs 10.20 says this, the tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. 
Elsewhere, Proverbs says that the, the heart of the wicked pours out evil things. Here we see, or sorry, the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. And here we see the heart of the wicked is of little worth. And the tongue of the righteous choice silver. So here's the thing. If, if you're here this morning and, and you wouldn't count yourself as someone who is trusting in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and submitting to His authority in your life, and, and your mouth is foul, the, the message here isn't that you just need to clean up that mouth, tidy it up. Because God's desire for you and the state that you are in is not that you would just be more courteous and polite on your way to hell. You need a new heart. If only foul things come out, and if, if things that come out of your mouth are in contradiction to the Word of God, to the truth, His truth, to what is good and righteous and pure, that's an indication of what's in our heart. Jesus said, out of the heart the mouth speaks. Chances are you might need a new heart, and God can give you one, and he says he will give you one if you place your faith in Jesus Christ. If you repent of your sin, and you turn from the error of your ways, and you put your faith and trust in him, and submit your life to his authority, to his word. So I urge you to do that. Your words, your mouth, is an indication of what's in your heart. And you need a new heart if it's garbage coming out. And that heart can be restored, that heart can be made anew, you will be born again, and the Spirit of God will indwell you and cause you to produce things that are as precious as silver. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for giving us so much instruction on and how we are to use our tongues, knowing that they have so much power to do both good and evil, Lord. We pray that we might be applying your wisdom that we've, we've heard this morning and that we would seek in your word uh, instruction to further guide us in how we communicate. Help us as a church to have unity of mind and sympathy and brotherly love and tender hearts and humble minds. Father, keep us from repaying evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but... Help us to bless one another. You said that this is to what we have been called, that we might be obtained, that we might obtain a blessing. Father, we desire to, to love life and see good days, and, and you've called us to keep our tongue from evil and our lips from speaking deceit. So help us, Father, to turn away from evil and to do good. Help us to be those who seek peace and pursue it that we might give glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name, amen.